Welcome to the e-commerce podcast with Matt Edmondson, a show that brings you regular interviews, tips and tools for building your business online. Well, hello and welcome to the e-commerce podcast. My name is Matt Edmondson and this show is dedicated to all of those of you who are running your e-commerce business. That's right. Welcome to the show. Uh, this is a podcast. Uh, it's great to have you joining us. If you're joining on us, joining us on Facebook Live, a big shout out and a big welcome to the show. It's great to have you. We, if you don't know, uh, when we record the interviews with our amazing guests, and we do have an amazing guest tonight, let me tell you, uh, I'll explain about Jesse in just a minute. So we have a great guest coming up. When we do that, when we record the show, uh, we broadcast it live on Facebook. At the same time, we record the podcast, which is amazing. So in a few weeks' time, this podcast will come out and it will air under the normal podcast channels. And if you are a podcast listener, make sure you subscribe across all of the favorite podcast channels which you can use, like iTunes and Stitcher and all of those places. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the show. Uh, but also, if you get a chance, come and join us on Facebook Live. Join in, watch uh, the interview with the guest as we broadcast it live ahead of time when, you know, when schedules work out between me uh, and people like Jesse, who's going to be on tonight's show. Uh, so welcome to the show. As I said at the start, my name is Matt Edmondson, and this show is all about e-commerce. Now, you may have noticed, uh, dear avid listener slash viewer, <laughs> that, um, that we've changed the branding. And in fact, we've changed the name of the show. It used to be called the Curiosity Podcast. Now we just call it the e-commerce podcast, just to make it a little bit cleaner and a little bit more understood. So this is the e-commerce podcast with me, Matt Edmondson. Welcome to the show. This is the very first episode of season three. So we decided to launch the new name and the new branding at the start of season three, right here, right here at the beginning. So uh, yeah, it's great fun uh, just sort of seeing how the podcast evolves taking on board all your comments, all your thoughts, all your ideas, all your suggestions, mashing those things together uh, and seeing where it leads. And, you know, when we started this back in season one, I had no idea we would end up right here where we are right now. Uh, no one could predict COVID. No one could predict uh, any of that sort of stuff. And yet here we are. Uh, and so these things evolve and move, don't they, as we go on. So uh, as we are broadcasting over Facebook Live, the um, interview with a guest, then if you have questions, by all means, put them in the comments. Um, give us a shout out. Give us a wave. Uh, it'll be great to see you. Great to hear from you where you're from. Um, and uh, just let us know. Uh, and so, Sean, I see you've put in there what time. Uh, I, I hope this has answered your question. We're actually live right now. So um, so there we go. Let's, let's, uh, let's go for it. So uh, before we get into tonight's guest, let me just take a moment to give a big shout out to the show's sponsors, uh, the show sponsors being Curious Digital, the e-commerce platform that I use. If you are in the market for a new website or a new e-commerce platform, do check them out. They are amazing. And the KD platform is incredible. Um, they're just about to do a big release uh, in the next few weeks, which is great. Um, and then in about three months time, there is a massive release coming. Uh, so if you are in the market for an e-commerce platform, do check it out. It's a monthly subscription service. Uh, so you don't have to worry about updates or upgrades or any of that sort of stuff. The guys just take care of it for you. And it doesn't matter the size of your business, whether you're a startup or like my e-commerce business, it's a multi-pound business, a multi-million pound business. Uh, it'll take care of it. Uh, and so check it out. Uh, Sean says here, yes, got it. Awesome. Thanks, Sean. <laughs> the other thing that I would say, our other sponsor is Lightbulb Agency. And Lightbulb is awesome because it does those bits of e-commerce that you don't want to do uh, or that you don't have the skill or expertise to do. And so the example I use a lot because it's a really obvious one is fulfillment. Um, you have a product, you, you don't want to do fulfillment. You just want somebody else to take care of that for you. Um, especially, you know, if you're interested in the topic that we're going to talk about tonight, like outsourcing, um, and you need someone in Europe to do some distribution for you, well, check out Lightbulb Agency. They do all of that kind of stuff. They distribute for clients all over the world, Australia, the States, New Zealand. It goes everywhere, let me tell you. So um, if you are in the market uh, for some e-commerce services, if you need some e-commerce services, do get in touch with Lightbulb Agency. And more information can be found at lightbulb.agency. More information about Curious 
digital can be found at curious.digital. And if you forget any of these things, all the links for tonight's show, all the show notes, the links to Jesse, all the notes from the conversation, the video, the recording, everything will just be on the website at mattedmondson.com. You can check that out at mattedmondson.com and everything will be there for you. No problem. So like I said, welcome to season three. It is great to have you. Uh, make sure you do subscribe to the podcast that what is now called the e-commerce podcast, formerly known as the Curiosity Podcast. Uh, I dare say you'll hear me talk about this for the next few episodes until we get it cemented that this is what it is now called. Uh, so welcome to the show. It's great to have you subscribe wherever you get the podcast from. And like I say, join us on Facebook Live like a few of you are now. And I see some of the comments coming in, which is great. And the little waves and likes, which is fantastic. Um, do join us on Facebook Live. And the link for the Facebook page is at the website mattedmondson.com. You can just go to there uh, and follow the link to the Facebook page. Sign up for the notifications for the lives. And whenever we go live, you'll get notified, especially when we do shows like this, where we have an extra special guest coming in, which is always fantastic. So Without further ado, should we bring our guest on? I think we should. Let me introduce him before we do. Now, we are talking to Jesse tonight, Jesse Schoberg. Um, and Jesse is currently living in Manila. When we had the sort of the pre-call, uh, I was talking to Jesse a few minutes before we went live on the show. I said, Jesse, where are you? He said, I am in Manila. He is living in, Amer in Manila. He's one of these guys that spends his life traveling around the world, running his businesses from wherever he is at. Um, he's been managing remote teams for like over 15 years now. So he's got a good idea on how to do it. And he is going to share with us all his magic and all his insight on how to outsource remote teams. And we're also going to talk about uh, his latest venture, um, which is going to help us understand why we should, as e-commerce uh, website owners, e-commerce entrepreneurs, why we should be blogging um, and how we do that why that's important. He runs a, 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 a website called Drop-In Blog. We're going to get into all of that content marketing. We've got a lot to get through. So without further ado, Jesse, let me bring you on. Uh, it's great to have you. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on, Matt. No problem. Now, as I said, you're in Manila, right? Yep. Currently, uh, currently in Manila during the lockdown. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a good place to get locked down or, or not? Uh, it's actually been, I mean, considering, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been all right. They've been handling it all right. And, and, uh, there's been access to resources and, you know, I'm set up in a pretty good spot. So, uh, no, no complaints, no complaints. So that's awesome. Now, um, at the time of recording, it is in the UK, it's just before 7 PM. What, what time is it for you? Uh, we're pushing 2 AM now. Yeah. 2 AM in the morning. So you're, you're kind of like used to this sort of late night working thing, I imagine because well, of the time zone. When you're over in, in this Southeast Asia, you know, constantly working with people in Europe and, and the States, you know, we work all kinds of different schedules. So you, you get used to it. <laughs> That's great. Well, thanks for being on the show. So let me ask you a question. How did, what's the short version, I guess? How did, you know, how did you end up from, uh, you're from the States originally, I can tell by the accent. Um, how did you end up in Manila? Uh, well, uh, I left the States, uh, in 2008, okay. uh, and I lived in Latin America for quite a while. So I was mainly, uh, living in Panama and did you just uh, have was, the travel bug? Is that what sort of kickstarted? Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, uh, originally it, it sort of happened accidentally. Uh, it was like, I was running an agency at the time and was kind of looking for a new location in, in the States to live and remembered that I had been to Panama before and, and liked it and kind of thought, oh, you know, maybe I should just move there instead of move to Denver or something, you know, mm. and uh, ended up being one of the best decisions of my life and kind of uh, jump started the kind of expat uh, location independent lifestyle. And, you know, it, it took a, a while, you know, I lived a normal life there and then I kind of slowly started traveling more and more and more. And then, uh, maybe about four years ago, uh, kind of relocated here to Southeast Asia and been 
all over. So Thailand, Indonesia, Malaysia, Vietnam, uh, here in the Philippines, Taiwan, this whole region quite a bit. So, uh, but based here in the Philippines, yeah, based here in the Philippines, uh, you know, for uh, a while as well. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, it's a great uh, region for sure. So what? What sort of kept you there rather than going, uh, you know, what well, enough's enough, I'm going back home? Uh, well, I mean, if once you kind of start living the location-independent lifestyle and you get to experience all these cultures and the food and the language and the people and everything, it, it's uh, – it, it, it's pretty pretty amazing. So uh, I, I'd have a hard time uh, considering g- going back to living, uh, you know, buying a house in the suburbs in wherever USA. That's just not on the radar. <laughs> wow, wow. Okay. So what does what does a typical day in Manila look like for you, and how would it well, be different if you were living in, living back home? I mean, we could say it could be similar to you know if you were in a major metro. I mean. All of the cities that I like to go to are, are I, I generally live in more metro areas, so I spend a lot of time in Bangkok or Saigon or these kind of places. And so, you know, it's, uh, well, not not these days, but generally would be go to the cafe <laughs> and, uh, you know, uh, work out, do do the, the morning grind in the cafe and then, uh, you know, maybe meet uh, someone else, another entrepreneur for lunch. Uh, you know, then, uh, catch up with some meetings like this, uh, you know, manage the team, you know, do the same things everyone else does, you know, it's just, uh, just in in new places. But what, what makes it interesting, I find is that, you know, when you're, when you live a, a normal, uh, kind of life pattern, it's the same, the same, same, same every day where you can, you can take that pattern and you can just put it in another city and then everything's interesting all of a sudden because the restaurants are different. The food is different. The culture is different. The people have different things. You know, the weekend getaway is somewhere you've never been, not the place that you've been 400 times, you know? So, um, that makes, I I find that makes life quite interesting and, and makes it so that you can learn a lot more about the world. And, and it's, it's, it's quite fascinating and it's an art as well so that you don't get too, uh, you know, you're not on vacation. You're still living life. You're working, aren't you? Yeah. But what's been the biggest thing that surprised you? Like if someone came to you from back home and said, Oh, I'm thinking of doing what, what you're doing, what would you say? Oh, this is going to be the, the thing which I think will surprise you the most. What would it be? Uh, that at first, it, there, there's it, some major adjustments, uh, especially when there's just routine things that break or, you know, things that don't work in different places or that function differently or, you know, the internet doesn't work or you can't find a cafe or, or you're, you know, the Airbnb that you rented didn't turn out to be what you thought it was going to be. These kind of stumbling blocks, especially when you're first getting started, mm-hmm. you're just bound to hit these, these walls, you know, and, and things fall apart and you think, oh, this was a lot easier when I was back at home. And it was, yeah. but with some time and practice, these things become very normal and you kind of know what to look for and you know how to kind of pivot and, and build uh, a more optimized life uh, sometimes than you would have had back at home because you have other advantages like your currency arbitrage and, uh, you know, there things, you know, you can have things like uh, staff and you can have meal prep and you can have like sort of things that you wouldn't normally get, uh, in, in your home country sometimes. So because the, the, the dollar goes further where you're living, you're able to do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm -hmm. And some of that is cultural too, but like, that's, that's a huge factor. You know, um, you, you can definitely get a better life, uh, in, in, and, and still a very modern life. You know, we're not talking about living in the middle of nowhere, right. Mm -hmm. It's just, uh, you know, in these major cities, there's just more services, uh, and you know, you're, you're, you can live, live a pretty interesting life that way. Yeah. So you, you go around from city to city or house, what sort of length of time do you spend in each place or is there not a formula? You just kind of, yeah, it varies, uh, can be, I try not to do anything less than a month. Uh, so usually like one to three months is kind of a, the sweet spot. And then 
what you find after you've done it for a long time. Well, when I lived in Panama, I had like a nor- more normal, like I had a, I own an apartment there and then, then I would just travel like maybe half the year and kind of do a month away kind of thing. Uh, but when I moved to Asia, I decided to be full time uh, in the more nomad style. And then I just do one to three months per city. But then what happens is, you know, you start to get to know cities and then you then it's not this huge reset because that's that's the other thing talking about the when you first start doing it. You know, you go if you go to a new city every month, it's confusing, right? You have to understand how things work and get settled. And that's that's a disruption in, in your life. But if you do it for a little while, you know, you can feel at home in any of these cities. So, you know, any of those cities that I just mentioned here in Southeast Asia, I feel at home in all of those cities. I've spent enough time in all of them that I can just show up tomorrow. And, you know, I know where I like to work. I have friends that are living there. I know, uh, you know, enough of the language that I can, you know, go down to the local corner shop and and order a local dish instead of just, you know, getting Western food at the tourist spot, you know, this kind of thing. So uh, once once you get into it a little bit more, then then that becomes uh, pretty exciting because you get to live almost multiple lives at once because, you know, you you're you have friends in multiple cities and then, you know, you get the, the excitement of different things that are happening in the different places so okay and so do you i'm just genuinely quite curious here but do you have like you sound like you're going to be living you know out of a suitcase all of the time is that so you do you travel really light everything fits in a backpack and you just you're not accumulating stuff i assume i'm not that light as uh some people that live how i do are are super crazy minimalist um i'm a little bit in the middle i mean compared to normal people i have barely anything, but compared to the super nomads, I'm kind of heavy. So, uh, since about five or six years now, I live out of a 24 inch suitcase, which is the smaller check size and a duffel bag in my laptop bag. That's it. So Um, what tech do you, what's your essential stuff on your little travel list then? Sure, sure, sure. So, uh, and then I will say to just kind of augment that, one, one of my kind of hacks is that when I land in a new spot, in a new apartment, I'm not afraid to spend a little bit to fix up things or buy a couple of things that they, you know, so if they, if they don't have a, uh, the, the right kitchen stuff that I want, you know, I'll, I'll go out the first day. It's kind of one of my rules okay. that like, go and get your you stuff know, and set it up how you go, want it set up. Yeah. Yeah. You go spend a hundred bucks on the, this random little things that, that they didn't have good ones and like, Oh, maybe you just need like a desk lamp or something like this, instead of suffering, you, you know, you just go get those things and be done and call that part of the rent. Um, and, and like this particular place that I'm in now, I've been staying at this particular apartment on and off for for almost a year now. And so I kind of keep, keep adding and, you know, now, now it's like, has everything right so uh that's pretty great but yeah i mean my tech stack is like i'm apple guy so it's i mean pretty pretty lightweight though i don't i don't i don't travel with an external monitor so i'm just macbook pro uh iphone ipad um i'm I'm kind of a a music guy so i've got a couple different headphone things going on um and that's pretty much it uh pretty 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 light tech stack kindle um that's it yeah i don't don't, no uh no standing inflatable desk or anything (laughs) wow how many pairs of flip-flops do you have one pair just the one pair okay yeah yeah so with all this i mean i could spend all evening talking to you about how you do the nomadic travel thing because it just i find it curious i mean there was um and i think we've all got sort of stories but um that's not why we're here uh, so um, I have to force myself to stay on track. So what what we want to talk about is outsourcing. Now, it sounds like if you've been doing this for 15 years and you've been running a business and growing a business and starting multiple businesses on route, um, that you've obviously done this whole outsourcing thing and you've, you've kind of figured it out and that's, that's the start point. Would that be a correct assumption? Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's been the business model the whole time, you know. Uh, so while it's kind of interesting now, this is extra trending because of uh, the current situation. Uh, you know, it's been uptrending the last few years, we'll say, right? Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, uh, and there's been more and more books about it, more and more. Um, yeah, yeah, sort of, yeah. I think the it, for me, it all sort of got kickstarted in my head at, when I read the Four Hour Work, which is where I'm sure most people sort of started that from, and then sure, you read that Vagabond and all the, that sort of stuff. Yeah, that that was kind of the the first big, you know, aha, yeah. you know, moment for a lot of people, you know. And I, I think I I read the Four Hour Work Week actually after I got to Panama. And so it was kind of, that came out right around the time after I had left. So yeah. for me, that was a big validation, just kind of like, oh yeah, I cool. This. this guy, this guy kind of like, uh, organized all of my thoughts, you know, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. thanks Tim. Yeah. Thanks Tim. Appreciate <laughs> uh, it. <laughs> yeah. But I will say that most people in my community, uh, you know, read that book and changed their whole life. You know, it was like somehow that book fell into their hand and they said, screw this job, screw this yeah. commute, screw the suburbs, you know, and, and, and really they headed that way yeah. because of it. But that was a long time ago. That's been 10 years yeah, now. Yeah, it's too, been a while. It's been a while. And it, but you're like, you're right. It's been becoming more and more people. The world's becoming a much smaller place, isn't it? A much yeah, smaller yeah. place. Definitely. And there's been a lot more modern, you know, that book, while it's very inspirational, uh, you know, there's, you know, like the 37 Signals guys have written a couple of books about about uh, remote working and, yeah. and remote teams and, and this kind of stuff. And, you know, th there's some more current uh, uh, information than that. But but that was definitely the, the fire starter for many, many people. Yeah. As a company, I've not had any dealings with them because I think they only operate in the States called Belay Solutions. Um, and they keep they keep sort of doing really well, you know, from a, um, a business point of view. They're featured a lot. I hear the name a lot, actually, Belay Solutions. Uh, and they're all about outsourcing, you know, give us, you know, your virtual PAs and all this sort of stuff that you hear talked about. So can we get into this, right? How did you... Yeah. Where, where to start, right? I mean, what's a good place to sort of start whilst talking about this topic? I'm kind of thinking... You know what? I have a wife. I have three children. Nick has two. I'm going to take them out of school and I'm moving to Manila and I've got to outsource my business. What's what's Jess's, you know, what's Jess's guide to doing that? Well, I mean, to be fair, it, it's interesting. You kind of have this remote work outsourcing thing. They, they go hand in hand. But a lot of people think, you know, when you say that, like, but how much of your job that you're doing right now has anything to do with you being in your physical location? That's a right? very good it's question. Kind of, yeah, not a lot. It, not a lot, right? And especially and now, things, because it's we're in lockdown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You could be right here next to me. I could not make no difference because I have to zoom everybody, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, for me, I feel like this particular moment in history, it's just kind of showing everyone that, oh yeah, I guess we could be doing it that way. Yeah. You know, like all of your clients or or, or customers or whatever your business is, you know. Uh, especially in this internet based or anyone who's in like consulting or agencies or this kind of stuff, you know, they, they think, Oh, well, I can't do that. Well, no, actually, look, turns out you can, yeah. turns out, you know, there, there are ways. So, uh, as far as that part of it, like, can you do it? Like it can be done, but then, yeah, when you start getting into the outsourcing part, uh, which now it's getting even more interesting because that used to just mean, yes, like, Again, with this currency arbitrage thing, you know, you've got, you know, many countries that, that mm. the, the normal wages are less than they are in, in the, the Western countries. So there's a, there's a good win-win there for people. You can get great talent that's a little bit less expensive than the talent that you would get uh, in the West. And that's uh, there. But now, see, now it's getting really interesting. There's so much more happening because... You know, you have a lot more people that are living all over the place. And then you have a lot more people in the Western countries that are also working remotely. Mm -hmm. Right. So now it's not just about it's not just about saving money and, and trying to get the cheapest labor that you can, because it's not always about getting cheaper. It's just also about getting the best talent. Now, all yeah. of a sudden, you're not sourcing from your local community. Right. You're sourcing from the whole world. And you know, so it's, oh, maybe there's yeah. uh, someone uh, in Arizona or maybe there's someone in South of France or maybe there's someone in Thailand or maybe, the, you know, it, it kind of doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. So, and you're right. I mean, I, I, I discovered recent, recently for the last few years, um, one of the things that we've been doing is we've 
realised that actually um, mums returning back to work after having a break for the looking after the kids. Yeah. Well, they're just the most remarkable people on the planet, right? They're they're used to dealing with stress. They're used to balancing forty things in the air. They can multitask like nobody else. They they know how to work. And nothing seems to stop them. If they've got a cold, they'll just keep going. Whereas me, I'm out. Do you know what I mean? And it's and the key thing that I found to um, this sort of particular group of people coming and working for you and doing well is being flexible with where they work. So as uh-huh. in they can work remotely because they need to sure. be at home. They need to pick up the kids. They need to be flexible in their hours. And if I can give them that, that's more important, I think, than the salary, than the job title. It, I found it quite a fascinating sort of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. And what's neat is there's a lot of these kind of niches popping up, mm. you know, that, that's really interesting. So that's one that's been definitely popping up. And what's, uh, you know, and again, for you, like, what do you care if, like, your podcast edit is done right now or in an hour and a half from now, right? Like it needs to be done in two weeks. Like it's fine, right? So the fact that they have to run and go get the kids from school or whatever, it it, it doesn't matter. It's all about output. And that's kind of the other thing, kind of zooming back into the topic here, like, you know, it's you, you have to change this mindset that's more about output versus uh, just like the, you know, oh, I hired them for this many hours and they're, they're, you know, just are they are they at work? Because that's always the the concern about the remote hire, right? Yeah. Is that well, when when we have, when I have them at the office, I can look over their shoulder and make sure that they're getting it done. You know, where it's about changing your mindset into output and saying like, oh no, well I just need her to finish the edit on the podcast, and yeah. you know, that's it. It doesn't matter doesn't when matter when he gets done, as long as he gets done by this time, and the quality yeah. is good. Who cares, right? Yep. And so, uh, you know, to talk about that a little bit and, and some of the pitfalls people have switching to that is, you know, you really need to work on your processes and your expectations and, and you maybe have to define that a little bit more than if you were doing the in the office hire, right? Because in the office you can. Okay. When you talk about, um, defining your processes, uh, and your expectations, when you're hiring someone remotely, they're managing their time. They're much more autonomous is probably a good way to put it there. They have to be, I think, a, a much more responsible kind of person. Do you know what I mean? A high caliber yep. type person. But I, I just want to clarify what you said there. I have to be clear with the processes and expectations for that person. Right. Because if I'm not, is that where a lot of the problems lie? Exactly. Because if you don't create a lot of expectations of the output that you want, then they might just be sitting around all day, you know, especially... I mean, we'll get into this too, like hourly versus full-time salary or part-time salary. You know, when you, when you put some on a salary, then, you know, if you don't have them, if you're not feeding them stuff to do and aren't very particular about the things that you want, then there can become a miscommunication there where you said, hey, well, what did you do the last two weeks? And then they say, what do you mean? You didn't send me anything. Or, you know, there's this kind of thing where, where if you say, okay, like every Friday I want this and, and by this date and this date I want this and, you know, three times a week I want you to check in and do this thing. And, you know, the more you can define those exact output items, the, the, the better it can be. And of course, this varies widely by rule and by level and this kind of stuff. But learning to define that is a skill that does take some time and you will stumble a little bit. And, uh, so on that, you know, talking about how do I, Matt kind of get into this and and what do I do? Uh, I, I generally recommend to start by hiring someone in an hourly situation. Uh, so then if you screw up on the expectations and you forget to send them something because you get distracted, you're not burning all this extra cash and there's not this thing where you said, well, I was paying you last week. What did you do? And they say, well, so you're what talking do you mean? About, I, I pay you for the hours that you work. And if I don't send you any work, then you've not worked. And therefore, I don't pay you. Right, right. And more of like a freelance style situation versus yeah. a, uh, you know, salary part or full time. Yeah. Okay. So find someone that's hourly at the start and um, spend as much time as possible defining the process and the expectations for that person. I, and I would say, I mean, I had um, a virtual PA um, for a number of years. Actually, she lives in Manila. Um, she lives somewhere in the Philippines. Lovely lady. Still in touch with her, actually. Um, yeah. 
And I found at the start, um, I had to over communicate my expectations and over communicate uh, the processes because not only was she remote, but she was another culture. That was another language. Do you know what I mean? And her English was awesome, but there was still this this barrier that I had to overcome. Um, and so I get why you would say define the process, define the expectations. Um, Sean here has put on Facebook. Um, how do you know the people you're outsourcing to will do a good job? Do you research or get reviews? So you, you say start with someone uh, hourly. How do, we, how do we find a good person? Sure, sure. So, yeah, I'll get into that a little bit. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, so uh, my hiring process, what I like to do is, first of all, for these hourly people, uh, there's, there's a lot of places you can go, but uh, I'll drop a couple places here. So the, the biggest one that's kind of the most famous is Upwork. Uh, and and that's where you can hire hourly people. Um, another one that we've been using a bit, uh, recently that's been really great as well is called free up and yep. Uh, they're kind of, uh, they, they kind of do similar to Upwork, but they, they have a a curated, they they curate a little bit more for you. So So they control a little bit more who, who delivers the services. Yeah, yeah. So, so that that can be quite helpful. And uh, we we recently did a, a hire with them, and and uh, have been pretty happy. So, so that's that's been well. But uh, you know, that can save you some of the 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 trouble, I guess. We'll start with Upwork. So, with Upwork, you know, the, you're dealing with a gigantic pool of people. So, uh, this is everything from the bottom of the barrel to all the way to top end. Uh, Western people as well. So uh, Upwork has really kind of become a, a huge gamut of talent now. Yeah. Uh, so that the good thing about that is that there's a huge <laughs> gamut of talent. The, the bad thing is that you you know you get a lot of a lot of uh, applications and a lot of riffraff. So there's a lot of wheat to sift. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so. So back to the the uh, question here, uh, wh- wh- whether it be with Upwork or, or hiring from anywhere, uh, what I like to do is give people a test, a real test. So, you know, this this uh, idea of of uh, you know people's resumes, and of course that's useful and everything, but until they actually do the work, you know, who cares where they went to school or or what prestigious company they worked at? If if they can't do the task that you want them to do, it doesn't really matter, you know. So for every uh, so, role you have, you you create a test which you then upload to the site, and people complete the test, and you judge them on the basis of doing that. Yeah. So this is not every applicant. These are like the ones that you've, you know, so maybe like three people, four people per position or whoever sure. comes in that you think actually is a valid, looks like a valid candidate. Right. Um, and what and sort then, of test would you give them? Is it a complex test? Do you pay them for that test? I definitely pay them for the test. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's usually something that'll take like two to four hours, maybe. Okay. Um, and you know, of course it depends on the position you're hiring for. Right. And then, uh, what I like to do if it works out is I like to give all the people that I'm considering the same task. So, okay. so then, you, uh, you know, this is an actual investment. Yeah, yeah. And usually it will be a task of something that I actually want done. Uh, but I will, I have them all do the same tasks. So then you can actually compare apples to apples, you know, um, and you can find out if, if there was, cause otherwise if you give them different tasks, then maybe there was a hard part in one of the tasks that you didn't realize. And then you think, Oh, this person's just an idiot, but no, actually it was hard and they would have all messed it or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I like to give the same task and again, it depends on what the project is. So let's say it was the podcast editing, right? Yeah. So fine, you have them edit one podcast, but you have all three people edit the same podcast, you and know, you, not different yeah. ones. Let's see what comes and That's interesting. Give them the same instructions, this kind of stuff. And then you can also compare their uh, actual cost to do it. So the hourly rate also kind of matters, kind of doesn't because you know, if this guy's 10 an hour and this guy's 20 an hour and this guy's 30 an hour. And, but, you know, depending on how long it actually takes them to output the work, you know, this is back to thinking about output, you know? And so then you can compare, oh, well, maybe the guy that was $30 an hour got it done 
faster than the $10 an hour guy. So even, you know, you can then say, oh, well, the total cost here, maybe he did a great job and he got it done in less time. So it's not always about race to the bottom for hourly rate. You know, that's definitely not helpful. That's uh, something that a lot of people get caught in is they think like, oh, outsourcing, low, cheap, save all this money, you know, which you definitely can save money. But, you know, if you if you just dive to the bottom of the barrel, you're probably gonna have a bad experience because, first of all, you're also new to outsourcing. So, yeah. you know, you're, and then if you hire someone else who's new to being a freelancer, <laughs> the, it's a recipe for it to go wrong, isn't it? And this yeah, is where people yeah. get burned, I think, and go, oh, that just doesn't work. So yeah, nice. yeah. They hire someone for two dollars an hour to do some task, and and then it ends up being a failure. And they say, "Oh, all these guys are idiots, and we they barely speak English, and and we can't communicate." Well, yeah, you you hired the the bottom person, but you know, hire someone for you know fifteen, twenty, thirty, forty dollars an hour, yeah. and, and and you'll you know then then things change, you know. Yeah, no, that's uh, fair. So yeah, so to summarize so the, that, um, if the task, give the the tests, compare the tests, and then you and can you make let them more- know it's they, that you've given them a test. Yeah. Yeah. You say, okay, I'm going to give you a test task. Mm-hmm. Like you're one of the final candidates. Like I liked your resume. I liked the conversation we had or something. So I'm going to hire you for a paid test task. So you hire them at the rate and you give them the, and you, so they know, and then it's great. And then they're paid for it. So they don't feel like, oh man, this guy's trying to get me out of free work because a lot of people do that and freelancers are aggravated about that yeah and, and this so, is why you pay them because they're much more likely to do it well i'm right okay yeah and whatever you know for you you spent a few hundred dollars to make sure you got the right person it's a very good investment for you right so do you you go and find someone let's say to do the podcasting you find someone to, the, the guy that actually is doing our podcast editing tim um we outsource to him. He's going to have a heck of a job tonight, let me tell you. Uh, but Tim, I'm not looking for somebody else. But I am curious. <laughs> Jesse, I'll carry Our on this example. Is going to be sweating. What's going on? Um, do you stick them with the same person or do you, do you kind of, do you go and find other people? Do you have like two or three people that would do the podcast? Um, I try to, I try to bring in the one person and, and kind of turn them into a team member. You know, and maybe that team member only works for me for five hours a month to do that one task. Yeah. But I try to, you know, nourish that relationship instead of because it's a lot of work to go back to the drawing board and find people and whatever. And And the longer they're with you, the more they get to know you, the idiosyncrasies and and so on and so forth. So, I mean, Sean's been busy here in the comments, which is great. He's obviously got a lot of questions. Um, How do you avoid dishonesty or scams? Well, I mean, again, starting with the hourly and starting with uh, Upwork is a good way to start because you, with Upwork, they actually have a time tracking software okay. that that they have to like clock in with their computer and it actually takes screenshots of their computer every 10 minutes of what they're doing. Oh, wow. And it will if they're not like active it clocks them out so it's like 10 minute increments of billing so you only pay for actual work time okay uh which is pretty cool because then you can actually pay them a little bit more than you might have been paying someone else who is just a freelancer just roughly billing you by the hour and you know then they're getting also truly paid for their actual time that they're putting their time Mm -hmm. into so it's it's a, a two-sided thing. But then how do you not get scammed is, you know, you look over the screenshots and you see were they on YouTube the whole yeah. time or were they in the editing app, right? Yeah. And what I've found, a lot of people, there's a lot of controversy about these these tracking apps and, and that Upwork has. And there's a bunch of third-party ones if you're not working with Upwork. Uh, I, I've found with any any good freelancer, you will know within the first couple of weeks probably within the first couple of tasks, whether or not you, I mean, I never, I never look at those screenshots after the hire because, or like after the first like week or month or something, because once again, you start looking at the output and then it doesn't matter, you know, and and then the good freelancers are honest with that stuff. And and you will know right away when you do the task and one guy took 10 hours and the other guy took two hours and then, you know, you can go yeah. see what he did. And, and that's why you want to get a broad spectrum, isn't it? Cause they need to be, 
if you like you said yeah. one's done two one's done ten it's alarm bells yeah. are going to start ringing right yeah yeah and and you'll know right away i mean there's there's a lot of professionals that i mean everyone just is trying to earn a living right and mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that have been uh doing this freelance stuff for a long time and and they're they're working hard and doing a great job you know so have uh, you ever yeah. have you ever then had bad experiences yourself i mean a lot of what you're talking about sounds like this is born out of your experience have you had yeah definitely tons of times like uh you know you will inevitably hire people or at least attempt to hire people that uh are bad at what they do or don't aren't a match for what you thought they were going to be or uh, you know, this, the scam thing doesn't really happen. Like that's just not part of it. Like, Mm. I mean, maybe you'll bring someone on and and even with Upwork, you can even, you can even, uh, dispute those hours. So, uh, how they work is, is, uh, I think the, the weekends on Sunday at midnight, and then you have until Thursday to dispute the hours. And then that's when you get billed for that week. Uh, so it's also kind of handy because it all auto bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you don't have to worry about getting, making the payments and dealing with invoices and the freelancers also safe because they don't have to worry about collecting money from deadbeat employers. Right. Yeah. Uh, so it, it works out really nice that way, but you, you have that, that window. So, uh, you know, the, again, the, the scam thing, it's just not a lot of people think like, Again, this is how, if I'm not looking over their shoulder, where well, you kind of can look over their shoulder with the, the apps. Yeah, with the so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's kind of fine. experiences, from what I understand, from what you've just said, tend to be around um, hiring people that aren't maybe the right fit or the right skill level. That, yep. And I guess the beauty of what you're doing with Howley, um, hiring Howley is you just stop that and you go and then start again. Yeah, yeah. And so then... You know, I, I generally recommend you start like this way and then you can kind of work your way up. Uh, so, again, uh, one thing to kind of bring up is aside from Upwork is that this uh, free up company that that we've been using a little bit. They take some of that guesswork out for you. So uh, they have a very similar business model, mm-hmm. uh, but they vet everyone. So their kind of pitch is that, you know, you only get the one percent. And so they actually, you put up the job post and then they just drop one or two people in your lap. And then they say, this is a good person, like okay. interview them, try them out, see what you think. If you don't like them, we'll give you another person. So uh, that that has a lot of potential as well. And then after this, it, once you have a little bit of experience managing these kind of people and this kind of stuff, then is where you might want to have, look into hiring people more like salary based, you know, so would Whether you that take be, the person, the freelancer you're hiring hourly, and would you make it a more permanent thing with them? Maybe if you need that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm just kind of talking more of a general, you as an experienced employer, outsourcing employer, remote okay. employer, I should say. Uh, you know, I'm just saying start with hourly before you dive into full-time and part-time salary people so that you get to learn how to manage someone that works for you two hours a week instead of 20 right like it's it's a lot of tasks and work and management to get all that stuff we talked about earlier in place so So how do uh, you how do you manage someone that works for you just two hours a week is it just you're emailing you're just wanting reports yeah yeah mostly email or or with uh we use project management system so you know whatever you use some people use you know whatever trello or Basecamp or you know this kind of stuff and then you know, you just assign tasks. Like once you kind of get in the groove, usually we start out with email and just simple and then kind of move them into the system once they're, you know, a little more vetted and we know that they're going to be more part of the team. And then it's very clean. I mean, uh, a lot of people like to do all this, uh, you know, Slack and daily standups and all that kind of stuff. And, and uh, you know, once you get more of a team and, and there are more hours and this kind of stuff, that kind of culture part of it can become very helpful. But, you know, when you're starting off and you're just doing this smaller stuff, it's, it's pretty straightforward. You know, you, you, it's, it's about defining what you need to be done. And then you just, you know, you send them the assign task to them and say, okay, like, here's our new podcast. Like, you know, uh, this is, this is how it's going to be edited. And then they turn it back to you and then that's, that's it, you know, and, or you, you know, go back and forth about the edits or, or whatever, this kind of stuff, you know, but again, at the beginning, you're going to need more communication to, sure. 
kind of zero in on things. Yeah, especially because you know? they are remote, that they need all that extra. So, so um, I take it you've hired people um, remotely all over the world. Yep, definitely. Would that be a correct assumption? And have you found that there are certain countries which work better than others, or is it? It's not about yeah. countries. It's more it about. It depends people. on what you're looking for. So, okay. uh, there's been certain regions that have kind of emerged as leaders in certain categories. Uh, and now the kind of new emerging area is actually the West, which is kind of funny because we started by jumping away from that. So like this talking about the, the moms at home that like used to be the career woman has all these skills that she's not putting to use. Like that's this new available category. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, but as far as the, the, you know, the other like non-Western countries, Kind of the big ones are so uh here the philippines is a big one uh and the philippines kind of thrives on things that you need english as your first language for so you've got a lot of native or almost native english speakers here so we're talking about stuff like customer support or uh content uh, writing or like assistant stuff, like how you said your PA was here, you know, this kind of stuff, mm -hmm. uh, anything that has to do with the phone or, uh, any customer service or, uh, also creative work is, is good for here. Uh, any, any of that more kind of personal stuff that, uh, that, that, especially with the English. And also the thing about the Philippines is, uh, versus a lot of other, uh, regions, their culture is, more Western influenced and yeah. is closer to the West. So while there will still be a culture gap, uh, you know, the influence here of the music and, and the, the movies and just culture in general, the, like the pop culture of the West is very alive here. And, you know, while you think that that doesn't matter, like if you're hiring someone for social media management, it does matter. Like mm -hmm. the, the, the little jokes and the, and the, the right, the right emoji that kind of is, you know, I don't know, these things like those little cultural details, they matter, right? Yeah, they matter a um, lot. So, yeah, I think, and one of the things I remember when I was, um, when we had the, the, the thing going on with the lady in the Philippines, somebody said to me, you should pay them for 13 months out of the year. They sort of had this, yes. you, you pay them one month twice. Was it December? Pay twice yeah, December? yeah. So, uh, here in the Philippines, again, this would be only if you were hiring them full time. Mm. Uh, it, that they do uh, what's called 13th month. Uh, a lot of countries do that actually. They, in Panama, when I was living there, they have 13th month as well. Okay. Um, and it's essentially a, a way for it, it's like a creates a savings account for them, sort of. You know, you, as an employer, you just build that in in your head to the salary, yeah, yeah, and then I decided, so then they get kind of their December the money. Yeah. Uh, to, you know, Christmas presents and, and, uh, end of the year stuff like that. But I mean, when you're dealing with this hourly stuff, this is not really going to be on your radar. Yeah. So. Which is where you start and warm yourself up. It says so, here in my, um, in my outline, Jesse, we've got copywriters and productized services. Um, what's oh, smacking my microphone. Maybe that's why it stopped working earlier. Um, but what, what, what do we, what do you mean by that? Let's sort of get into that a little bit. Sure, sure, sure. So uh, quickly, one little last point there uh, that I'll slip in about the, the, the regions. Uh, so Philippines for that kind of stuff, copywriting actually uh, is something that you can get here as well. Yeah. Um, but then anything that's development, uh, any type of development is Eastern Europe. Uh, so uh, there's a really good site that I can recommend there for hiring programmers, but this is going to be more for full-time positions or part-time positions, not hourly. It's okay. jobrack.eu. Uh, yep. So, so that's a, that's a, a good one for hiring from Eastern Europe. And, and we love to hire from Eastern Europe for development. Uh, just really good coders, really good work ethic. It's, it's great. Okay. Uh, so that, and then, uh, yeah, so now back to copywriters and productized services. So, uh, copywriters, uh, you can hire here in the Philippines or now in the West as well. Uh, so then I'll, I'll drop one more uh, place that's good to hire remote people if you're hiring part or full time. And there's a lot of Westerners here, which is really good, is Dynamite Jobs. It's dynamitejobs.co. Uh, 
they have uh, a, probably the best remote job board. It's more of like a job board versus like a freelance marketplace. So again, if, if you're, you're, and there's a lot of Westerners on there. So if you're looking to hire a copywriter or an editor or a project manager and you want someone from the West or that, you know, here from the Philippines, that's very Western fluent, uh, that's a really good spot for that. So and is that an hourly place or is that uh, more salary based? More salary based. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, uh, anyways, kind of, yeah, moving into copywriting and stuff. So these days, I mean, content is king, right. And especially now, uh, it's, it's the way that everyone's driving traffic and, and it's, it's really the, the, the way to do it. So, uh, one thing that we've been seeing a lot of is just hiring out your own copywriters, uh, to start developing your own content, or now they're kind of emerging a lot of these productized services, uh, and by that, I mean services where, you know, you pay more fixed rates, like, you know, this many articles for this price or this kind of thing. And it's more of like a, it's kind of like an agency, but a productized service is where they take what's traditionally a service product and they turn it into uh, traditionally a service and they turn it into a product. Yeah. Uh, so instead of paying this hourly thing, they say, oh no, we do this many articles for this much or whatever. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't have any specifics to offer on that yet for, for sources, but, uh, we're working on some partnerships, uh, for that maybe. So, um, maybe we can put some, uh, offers together for you guys for that as well. Yeah. It'd be interesting to see, cause I've seen that more and more. It's like, um, you're heading back to what you said right at the start where you need to think about output and productized services is basically, I'm paying you for five blog posts. I'm not paying yeah. you for 15 hours. It takes to do them. I'm paying you for the, the output. And in fact, I say to the guys, you know, in our agency and in our consulting business, one of the worst things that I think we can do is sell an hourly rate is to sell ourselves at an hourly rate, you know, 75 bucks an hour, hundred bucks an hour, whatever the hourly rate is. I think that's a really tricky sell because if you're paying someone for an hour's worth of work and they only work 58 minutes, you're not happy. Do you know what I mean? It's right. just, whereas if you, if you focus on selling outcomes, uh, the onus on me is to deliver that outcome as best as I can in the time frame that's the most efficient that I can. And actually right. outcomes for me seem to be an easier sell. I don't know if you've noticed that or if that's just me. It's trending huge right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen so many agencies that are now pivoting into productizing. And so it's like just to leading the entire agency model. They don't do quote requests anymore that, yeah. you know, it's just, no, we just do these four things and this is how much they cost and it's add to cart, you know? Mm-hmm. And what's so cool about that model is it allows the service provider or the agency or the productized service agency or whatever you want to call them to really hone in on their processes and make that really efficient. So then they can start to increase their margins while at the same time, the product gets better. Mm -hmm. So, and this isn't just for copywriting. I mean, this is for everything, you know? So, uh, you know, there's stuff out there for design and for marketing, all just every aspect of stuff. This is just all over. And I'm a hugely for it. We've been using it a lot. Uh, and it's it's really cool and, and it and it also gives agency people that are providing services a way to actually scale because yeah. they can start to really hone in on this and get really awesome at that one thing instead of in general as an agency you got to be kind of like pretty good at a bunch of stuff you know <laughs> uh so yeah very very cool uh trend that's emerging right now and uh yeah we've been using it for all kinds of stuff so Let's talk that because we started talking about copywriting. You can get copywriters in the West. You can get them in the Philippines. Um, I said right at the start, you're the co-founder of Drop-In Blog, right? Um, So let's talk about this sort of content aspect of it. So I can obviously go and outsource my copywriting um, and use those sites you mentioned, you know, and um, at work, free up. uh, What was the other one? Dynamite Jobs. Um, I can use those sites that you mentioned, but but why would I, why would I want to do that? I think it's pretty, it's a great question. So you've obviously written this drop in blog system. Let's talk about that. Sure. So, I mean, just, you know, if you think about your e-commerce, uh, platform or, or where, whatever you're trying to sell, right. Uh, you know, you need to get customers, right. So if, if you're running your own store, 
uh, you need to drive traffic. And so, you know, the, the easy way to walk in is to do paid traffic. And that's what most people start with. Right. Um, and the great thing about paid traffic, of course, is that you get results today. Yeah. Right. But the bad thing about paid traffic is you have you to pay, pay for, for it. it forever. A lot, usually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the good thing about content marketing is that over time you can start to build that organic traffic and replace or augment that paid traffic mm -hmm. and then eventually have a bunch of free traffic that's coming in that just, you know, essentially prints money for you. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it, it becomes quite important. Uh, and what we've seen become really popular with that is you do the paid advertising and then you know what keywords work. Yeah. So you don't have to do the normal keyword research, write all this content and then see what happens and hope for the best. If you do the paid stuff first, you already know what's coming in that, that works and is converting for you. So then you say, Oh great. Like here's this keyword cluster that is just crushing it for me, but I'm paying $4 a click to get these people to my site and it's killing me. And then you say, okay, well, maybe now we need to put together a content plan to try to fill up the rankings with our results so that we can drive traffic into our e-commerce store. And, you know, a lot of people are short-sighted. So they, that, that, that sounds like a lot of work and it, that's a long time from now. And, and it, is, it is, it takes a little while, but, you know, if you're in this for the long game and you want to win, you'll see anybody who's serious about e-commerce is going hard on content. And that's because once you fill up that search engine rankings, like, you know, the, the traffic just flows in forever. And so, uh, yeah, so that's, that's the deal. So we kind of wanted to solve that, uh, for a number of platforms. So originally, uh, drop and blog, it's basically a blog product to put on a website that is not built in WordPress. So, uh, there are a lot of ways you can make websites that are not WordPress. Mm -hmm. And usually if Thanks, you want to add a yeah, usually if you want to add a blog to them, then you end up having to install WordPress in a subdomain and then you have to manage two systems and sure. all of this kind of stuff. So Drop and Blog solves that problem. We're our own blogging platform and we just do blogging where WordPress, while great, it does everything, which is sometimes great and sometimes a real pain. Yeah. <laughs> So uh, Drop and Blog just does the uh, blogging part and it does it very well. And we kind of fit into almost every platform we're agnostic. So uh, back to, to the topic at hand here, when it comes to e-commerce, we just recently released a app for Shopify and we drop right into the Shopify existing. Yeah, and I was, I was stoked about this because when we had the pre-call and we were talking about this, you just launched it on Shopify. Because if there was one, there's one complaint I hear more and more about. There's, a, there's probably three or four key complaints you hear about Shopify, but one of them definitely is that their native blogging system is just pants, right? And so you've got every man and his dog who knows what they're talking about where uh, marketing's concerned, going, do content marketing, it's flipping brilliant. And then everyone who's got a Shopify site going, yeah, that's genius, but how do I do that? And so the net result was, like you say, a lot of people would set up a blog on a subdomain, so blog.myshop.com rather than which has SEO implications, doesn't it? It, it knocks you down the rankings yep. a little bit. So it's not as good as doing it on the main domain. Um, right. And so with your system, if you're on a Shopify site and you want to do blogging well, they should definitely check it out because you've actually made blogging easy for Shopify, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a much better platform than what they have built in. I mean, for Shopify, you got to realize that the blogging platform that they have, that's just a thorn in their side. They don't care about blogging. They, they care about e-commerce and they do it very well. Yep. Right. And then everyone says, Oh, but we need to content market today. Okay. We'll whip together this thing. And you know, they've barely made any updates to it since they started it, yep. you know? Uh, so we kind of decided to flip that on its head and build a really great blogging platform, uh, that, that is very simple and clean and has all the features that people need. And, you know, we made it, for example, that you can inject products directly into the blog post, yeah. which you can't even do with the built-in Shopify exactly. platform, which, which just defies known logic. Yeah. In fact, and any so, e-commerce site where you write a blog post and you cannot embed the product that you're talking about in that blog post. For me, that that never made sense as an e-commerce side owner. Do you know what I mean? It was just, I don't know. That yeah, it's kind of odd, right? Kind of yeah. odd. So, 
so it's kind of got that. And then also we have like a built-in SEO analyzer that, that, you know, most people don't know everything about SEO and it's, it's a lot to keep up with. So we kind of cover the basics for you where you can kind of put in your keyword target. And there's a couple meters that tell you like, Oh, you know, you, you should put that again in your title or you should add it into the, this part or, you know, uh, okay. this kind of stuff. So it's like and a kind of guide to helping people that don't really have the, yeah, the yeah, degree to try and get better at doing yeah, SEO. And even even if you know it, it's just nice to have it all yeah, figuring it yeah, out yeah. for you, so you don't have to just remember. Oh, did I put that in the alt tag? You know, whatever. Like it just kind of does it for you. Uh, so with those things combined, it, it's been a real win, and and everyone's loving it in, in Shopify. So it, it's it's a. Uh, quite useful for, for people. And, and it's been fun for us to be developing that community because we've had drop and blog for quite a few years, just mm-hmm. kind of people putting it on custom sites. And, uh, you know, we, we work kind of out of the box with many platforms, sure. even like, uh, other e-commerce, like, uh, like big cartel or, mm-hmm. or some of these smaller ones and stuff. We just work out of the box for those guys. Yeah. But with you know, Shopify, we did a real full app, deep integration. And that, that's been live um, for a number of months now. Um, yeah, about two or three months now, yeah. yeah. And how's it gone so far? It's been fantastic, actually. You know, we're not from the Shopify world. So, uh, you know, I've worked with it a bit, and, and I know it, and it's, it's, I like the system. And so it's, this was kind of our first, like, uh, dive into that community, you know, and, uh, it's been great. You know, uh, the users are welcoming, uh, they definitely have questions and, uh, and ideas and, and lots of stuff happening. So we've been, we've been hitting it hard and kind of adding little tweaks and, and trying to accommodate people, uh, with their ideas and also like developing a lot. So it's been, it's been pretty fun and we've been really well received. So it, it's been very exciting actually. So what's, um, What's some of the things you've learned about the Shopify community? You're new to it. What's the, what's some of the things you've kind of gone, Oh, I would never have guessed that. Well, one thing that I've, I've noticed is that a lot of them are just kind of new to marketing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So they, they, they have, they have their e-commerce store for whatever reason. And, you know, where, you know, a lot of the, the internet nerds that we're used to dealing with, they, they think marketing like 24 seven, you know, where a lot of these guys, they, they're more, sales, you know, or product makers, you know, it's like, Oh, uh, you know, we recently had a girl who, uh, has a, a jewelry store who signed up a physical, she has a physical jewelry store in San Francisco. And, you know, so she has a physical store and then she added the Shopify store so she could sell online. And now she's starting to look into content marketing, you know, and it's like her, she doesn't know a lot about internet marketing. And yeah. so us kind of, seeing like, oh, wow, having this SEO analyzer has been so helpful for her where she can kind of walk through and this kind of stuff. And so it's kind of helped us solidify our onboarding and make it easier. And we've just kind of, it's forced us to look at our product and try to make it as simple as possible and easy to use as possible. And to onboard Uh, as best as you can. Yeah. 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 That's, I've always found that key with, with software. You've got to onboard super well, right? I mean, just super well, because uh, if people and are paying for it, they want to. I think we were able to be a little lazy with uh, when we were dealing with the more uh, developer-y community, you know, mm-hmm. where this is a little bit less, it's not a developer community. So we, we had to kind of dumb it down a little bit, but which was actually great. We should have done that before yeah. because I'm sure we were losing business from our regular customers that thought it was too techy or something, you know, yeah, so yeah, now... Yeah. This has really, uh, you know, catapulted us to the front of, of simplifying everything and making it really uh, just dead simple to use, you know. Okay. So um, for someone who's new to content marketing and the whole SEO thing then, um, and it sounds like a daunting experience, um, what would be some of your top tips on, on getting started there? I would say, you know, start out with, putting together some keywords and just thinking about, you know, what, what would you search for, you know? And if you're already doing paid ads, then like I said before, that's kind of the easy way that you can already see what's been working. But if you haven't got that far, you know, you can do some light keyword research and 
you can start to put together a, a plan based on things that you pe think people would search that you want to come up for, right? And then, then you know, put together a basic plan and start writing out that content or hiring someone to write out that content and then, you know, put together a plan that, mm -hmm. that you know, it's not just today, right? Content marketing is a long-term play. So, yeah. you know, you need yeah, you to... Think sort of six, 12 months down the line, haven't you, I think, for content marketing? Yeah, yeah, because it takes a while to create the content, to publish the content, for Google to pick up on the content, mm -hmm. this kind of thing, you know. And obviously, this is a big category, but it's one of those things where you need to start now and you need to be consistent. So just, you know, you, you need to put out content and you need to put out content that is relevant to the searches that you want people yeah. to get to your site with. Relevant to so. the community. And like you say, cons for me, consistency is key with the whole content yeah. marketing, if you can't do it consistently. And this comes back to one of your original points, actually. If you're not good at content marketing, but you know you need to do it, this is one of these I I I ideal things which you can outsource um, and start right. to build totally. a remote team. They can do the copywriting. They can do the SEO research. Um, yep. You can outsource the graphics to get all that done. They put the whole thing together and, um, you know, you're involved with it, but the majority of the work is done by a team you've outsourced, which is super cool. Um, and that just works super well. Listen, Jesse, uh, I'm aware of time. Um, and uh, how incredibly early in the morning it is for you right now. Um, just want to say thanks. Really got a lot out of this. I've got lots of notes. I'm going to be checking out all those websites. We will link to all the websites that you mentioned in the show notes if people want to grab them. Jesse, real quick, if people want to get a hold of you, if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. Uh, well, you can always check out Drop and Blog at dropandblog.com uh, or search us in the, the App Store on Shopify. Uh, if you want to get in touch with me, uh, you can check out uh, my personal blog at showberg.net and we'll put that in the show notes as well. Yeah, yeah. we'll put all those links there. Showberg.net is where you're blogging, which is cool. Uh, listen, Jesse, it has been an absolute pleasure to, to chat with you. My apologies again for the blip we had, the technical issue in the middle. Um, it all seems to be working well now, um, which is great. Uh, thanks, everybody on Facebook for the comments and making fun of us when it did all go wrong. That's okay. Uh, it's been, uh, it's been real fun, Jesse. Really, really appreciate it. Thank you so, so much for your time, but thanks a lot for having me on, Matt. Really appreciate it. It was a lot You're of welcome. fun. Yeah, it's great. Thank you. Okay. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jesse. Wasn't he fab, uh, just sharing all his insights and wisdom on outsourcing. I don't know about you, but I got a lot of notes out of that and we will put all of my notes in the show notes, uh, to this podcast. Uh, we will, of course, edit the video to take out the technical blip in the middle. And if you're listening to the podcast wondering what was going on, we had a technical blip. That's all you need to know. Um, make, sure, make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. All good places should have the e-commerce show with Matt Edmondson. You can subscribe to it. Uh, we put these out on a weekly basis and it is free content, uh, uh, which goes out to you all full of good stuff. We talk to great and amazing guests. Uh, each and every week as we put these shows out. So make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. And if you are so inclined, why don't you come and join us on Facebook Live uh, like Sean and the gang did tonight uh, and just throw your questions in uh, and get them answered by, uh, by a guest, which is always, always awesome. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, do subscribe. Do get in touch. Head on over to mattedmondson.com to get the show notes and all the links for today's episode. All that's left for me to say is thank you so much for being involved. Thanks for being a part of what's going on. And I will see you in the next show. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to the e-commerce podcast with Matt Edmondson. Join us next time for more interviews, tips and tools for building your business online.